Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Bacon isn't just for breakfast. It's for every meal. It's for snack. I send my kids to school with bacon for snack and they sell it. They come home with money. (laughs) You know, I'm like, these little entrepreneurs, I'm gonna have to hire them. (laughs) I love that so much. Today on the show, I welcome my friend, Neil Dudley, who is vice president of Peterson's Natural Farms. We are talking about pigs today, guys. (laughs) We're going to be talking about raising humane pork and really get a word picture of what does that look like when it comes to Peterson's Natural Farms. Additionally, we talk about organic. What does that mean for pigs and pork and why is it important to vote with your dollar today's a great episode so i can't wait for you to hear it let's go welcome to the show neil we are so excited to chat with you today well all of you ho i'm telling (laughs) you i'm just excited to be here excited to say hi to your audience you're faithful that follow you and pay attention to you and that you give me that kind of platform or respect or uh, I wanted to say authority. That's probably the wrong word, but just giving me that opportunity. I appreciate it. Yeah. We're excited to have you. So at Peterson's farms, you exclusively raise cows and pigs. Is that true? Well, you really need to delete the cows. We don't, we we do sell beef. We sell some poultry, but what we raise is pigs. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad I asked that out the gate. So I think of all the meat out there, it seems from my perspective that pork has really been the slowest to come around to ideal practices in humane stewardship. But y'all have been doing this and doing this well for a long time. You guys were the first company to make a no sugar bacon available nationwide. So I want to know from the beginning, how did Peterson start and how did you come about raising pigs the right way? Yeah. Okay. And maybe to clarify, I've raised cattle, cows, my whole life. I grew up on a ranch. Cows are the first thing I know about in animal agriculture. So that can be confusing. You see the hat, you see see (laughs) me and Cody's picture on the website. We look like cowboys. You think cattle. So that's just kind of we didn't plan it, but it's turned out to be a valuable thing. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we're kind of counterintuitive. Sure. <laughs> you know? so yeah, totally. Cowboys actually ride horses, break horses, gather cattle, work cattle, all those things. But we make our living at Peterson's through pork. So now I'm going to go back and actually answer your question. Sure. So but it's a good, started, good distinction, though. <laughs> yeah, sure. The hat's been lucky. It's just that lucky thing that most people aren't wearing hats in this industry. So 
I get remembered, or Cody and I get remembered as the guys. There's those cowboys. Nobody really knows our names. The, the cowboys they, raising pigs. <laughs> yeah, they do know that we are the cowboys. So Peterson started by a guy named David Peterson in a little town called Clifton, Texas. He was raising pigs. At the time, it was called a, a USDA program called Process Verified. So the process he was using was different. It was verified by third parties. And he started selling those pigs to places like HEB Central Market, mm-hmm. Whole Foods, when they were just a couple stores in Austin. And that's where Peterson started. Now, then over time, we evolved through a some other crazy circumstances. One of the plants burnt down from electric fire. The next plant burnt down from a lightning strike. And then about that time, Cody and I were coming into the picture. We took an old cable production building and put freezer panels up inside, made a production plant out of that. And this was, you know, about 20 years ago now. And at that time, the crazy thing is, Pork bellies, which is the base ingredient for bacon, were like impossible to sell. It's really hard for anybody that doesn't know that to believe it. It's like, nah, mm-mm. okay, I'm done with you, guy. You must be full of bull. I'm just saying, it was. It was the craziest thing. We had these pigs. We were selling the loins and the, the shoulder and hams, all those things, but we didn't know what to do with the bellies. So somebody looked around and said, well, I guess we just make bacon. And that's how it all got started. That's crazy, Neil, because I feel like now I talk to people who are like, I mean, I'll occasionally eat bacon, but I don't make a lot of pork. And we eat a ton of pork. Like I make my carnitas all the time. I make barbecue with pork shoulder. I make my pork tenderloin in my cookbook is my favorite recipe in the whole cookbook. I make it for people all the time. And people are like, I don't ever make pork. So that's crazy to me that. So are you telling me bacon has just changed? Like 20 years ago, people weren't eating bacon and now we can't get enough of it. Not eating is an extreme way to think about it. They (laughs) weren't. It was not recognized and loved like it is today. In every Mm -hmm. facet of almost everything, bacon has caught this wave of popularity. Well, it's delicious. I don't think it's going (laughs) to go away because everybody's starting. So if you're thinking about our culture and how we think about food, I'm going to say the 70s. I don't know exact date, but sometime in that time frame, we, the, our culture started demonizing fat. Like fat is going to lock your heart up and oh, yeah. going to quit pumping. And, and I think th- there's probably some truth to that, but not nearly the truth that I know my mom and dad felt like. Oh. Uh, cancel fat. Sure. So I, uh, one day we kind of woke up and started saying, well, fat's probably not all that bad for you. Although... I'm having to challenge myself. I'm being required to challenge my thoughts around pork fat, thanks to some of these people I pay attention to that are worried about PUFA. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, it depends on the type of fat. That's what I'm learning. Depends yeah. on the type of fat. And surprisingly, animal fats are what we need. Like, we went away from it, but we think about our grandparents. Like, uh, my grandparents were great. And 
my grandmama cooked with lard and bacon grease. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it, lived it to be 91, true. you know? Well, I mean, they're healthy. They worked outside. Mm -hmm. They worked in the right. sun. They lifted heavy things. I mean, right. to survive where mm -hmm. we've all kind of got soft i don't know really any other way to put it i mean that's the truth we have not been challenged with survival mm -hmm. uh, kind of. anyways i really went way off of where oh no but you were talking about like you know in the 70s we started hearing that yes. we should so, eat seed oils instead of animal fat so we kind of moved away from it but do you feel like we're coming back to animal products and animal fat being the way to go I think so. I think everybody's got, as part of that softness, we've got time to worry about our diet a lot more than we used to. Mm. And now, so everybody's really paying a lot more attention to that. They're asking those questions. And I think that's part of what gave bacon this wave, mm. you know, kind of in, let's see, it was, would have been 2005, seven, yep. eight, right about mm -hmm. that time. Everybody's like, oh, well, you know, I think fat's not that bad for you. And if it is, I don't care because this tastes so dang good. And <laughs> yeah. every chef started working with bacon more. Every mom at home or dad at home cooking breakfast, lunch, mm -hmm. dinner. Like everybody really gets afraid of me for saying this. And you can certainly delete it if you want. But I say <laughs> I reject the breakfast pronoun. <laughs> you know, yeah. for our bacon, I'd, or even if that's a pronoun, I don't yeah. know. It just, yeah kind of an interesting way to put it in today's society and how mm -hmm. our culture is really sensitive to almost everything. But bacon isn't just for breakfast. It's for no. every meal. It's for snack. I yeah. send my kids to school with bacon for snack and they sell it. They come home with money. <laughs> you know, I'm like, these little entrepreneurs, I'm going to have to hire them. I love that so much. And I am the same way. I send my kids with the weirdest things to school and my kids come home and they're like, can we have a Lunchable? I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> and I send them with these bizarre snacks, but I haven't tried bacon. I mean, we do send them with like meat sticks and stuff like that, but bacon's a great idea. That's so awesome. I love that so much. Since we're talking about the health of bacon, pork, all the things, when we talk about the health of red meat, I feel like a lot of people will talk about the studies around processed meats and how harmful they are. So things like bacon, like we're talking about, and hot dogs, which are products you sell. And the World Health Organization even classified processed meats as a group one carcinogen. So I want to talk with you about what makes your processed meat different than traditional processed meat, which is what they're studying. And if you do think your meat is healthier, what makes you feel that way? Well, I do think the meat is better for you. Healthier is a scary position for me to take really because sure. I'm no expert. Mm. Uh, most of my opinion comes from my experience. I don't sure. have the same experience as everybody else, but I would argue the thing that makes us different, the thing that I believe I value personally, I think you and your listeners have a chance to value it as well. If you know about it, like you, <laughs> most people have no how would you know? You don't live in this industry. You don't raise mm -hmm. animals for food. So it's my job. It's my pleasure to say, okay, here it is. It's the animals. That's mm -hmm. what initially makes us different. Then it's the ethics, the thought process, the ingredients we use along the way. 
Yes, hot dogs are a slurry of meat before you that gets stuffed into a fibrous casing or sometimes a collagen casing and cooked. That is highly processed. There's no way around that. That's a fact. If you turn sure. meat into something that runs like water, <laughs> it is super processed. Sure. Uh, I think then the only thing you have to stand on there is, well, the thing that we used to start that was raised humanely, was raised right. with thought, was fed really quality food. And that does include corn and soy. And some of that's the argument for the poofas and these kind of things. But they're generally well taken care of, happy. I say it like this, in my experience with animals, you cannot talk to them. They can't talk to you, but you can empathize with them. You can feel their mood, their health. You can feel it. If a pig is walking around, their ears are kind of slumped and they're not eating, they're not feeling good. They're not thriving. Mm. Maybe they're getting picked on by the bully in the herd. They're a <laughs> lot like humans. I deal with bullies. You do too. Mm-hmm. I've been mean to people. It's a true, I'm not proud of that, but it's a fact. I've done it. So they live in those same kind of dynamic groups. Mm. The difference, I hope everybody heard in that big rambling run around the farm, is the animals, I think, our products start with a different animal. And then we yeah. try to keep as many ingredients out. In bacon, for example, we do not inject it. There's a piece that is less processing than right. the competitor. We oh, put them in big vacuum tumblers, pull a vacuum, just tumble them, let them soak the flavor up, the brine, instead of stabbing them and forcing it in there. Right. And also, I mean, I think it comes down to the curing process, like you're referring to. And then additionally, like all of the nitrates and all of the crazy ingredients that are in these processed foods. Like when you take like, sure, hot dogs in general are kind of a gross concept, but even if you blend up beef, if that beef is good, and it's just beef and salt like that is very that is a very different product than this cured hot dog with all of these crazy ingredients so instead of studying traditionally raised CAFO cows that turn into hot dogs with all these crazy ingredients like what if we either like studied peterson's meats or studied nitrates like what are nitrates effect on the human body and all of these things so i've heard people say it's not the cow it's the how (laughs) and i I mean everybody if you've not listened to caroline's episode with will harris you should go listen to that that guy is an expert in what he does it's his livelihood it's his legacy all those things i feel the same way but there's another opinion I want people to draw from as many of us as possible. When I say us, me, Will Harris, Joel Salatin, all this group of thought leaders or people out there actively in the game Yes, as they can. And good job. Totally. I, I appreciate you kind of running that play as well and just putting yeah. it out there. 
Well, I mean, I'm learning too. I learn from all of you. So our listeners learn and I learn and it's so great. So we've been talking about your pigs and I want to know, like you guys really pride yourself on raising your pigs humanely. So I, can you give us like a word picture of tangibly, what does humanely raised pigs, what does that look like on your farms? All right, here we go. So I think what I want to address first and foremost is my pigs don't go outside. They don't. They're raised in barns. You'll hear me say, well, humanely, and as soon as you hear that, it might paint a picture in your head of me. I just want to be clear about that. Sure. We raise our pigs to a global animal partnership step one standard. Mm -hmm. In comparison to Will Harris, he's like a step five. So (laughs) there's difference. We have different expectations of ourselves. Now, what the Petersons were really proud. They live in big gestation pens. Most of the real cruelty that happens with pigs, in my experience, in my opinion, is these gestation crates, farrowing crates, where they get basically put in a little dog kennel, and that's Mm. where they live until they get bred, get pregnant, stand in these little gestation crates, all they do is lay down, stand up, eat, grow babies. Yeah. And that's just, I think you walk in that barn. Now, there's going to be somebody that raises pigs that way who totally disagrees with this. And I'd love to have that debate with them. It's not been sure. my experience that I walk into those barns and feel a lot of happiness. Um, sure. So I walk into our barns, I feel happiness. There's no pigs grunting. Pigs are also cool. These big gestation pens, they kind of go to the bathroom in one spot. They go eat over here where the feed is, and they lay around and sleep in the bed. Mm-hmm. That's really cool about them. I appreciate them. People don't maybe picture pigs as clean because most pigs, uh, Wilbur in Charlotte's Web, well, he <laughs> loves playing in the mud. And pigs outside do play in the mud because they need to cool off. Part of that, keep them in the barn thing is we believe that allows us, helps us take better care of them. They're not subjected to the elements up in Illinois and Wisconsin where we're raising them and piglets. They'll survive. Animals are the most resilient, tough things out there. They have their babies right in the middle of a snowstorm and no big deal. I mean, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, no thanks. Right. It's so hard to explain it. It's like I wish I could just take everybody by the hand and go walk them in. Sure. Uh, but So you go in a barn. It's also this crazy truth that you have to shower in. You'll hear people talk about this. Oh, my gosh. You mean what? These crazy people make you shower, take all your clothes off, shower. You get new clothes on the other side. In my experience, in my perspective, that is us caring about disease, that can get Wait, in the herd. talk to me about that. So you want to remove disease from humans on, like if I were to walk into your barn, I shower, I change my clothes and walk into the barn. So it's not on my way out. It's right. on my way in. Yes, I'm protecting the animals. Yeah. Not, not you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the biosecurity of these farrowing farms, which is really what I talk about. What I'm painting the picture of is a farrowing farm, which is where you 
breed sows. They gestate, raise the babies in their stomach. They farrow, which is have the babies, and then they raise them in our system for the first 28 days mm -hmm. until they move to what's called a nursery, then off to a finisher, then on down the line to our plates. Right. Yeah. So I don't paint the pictures of the finishers and the nurseries much, but they're pretty simple. They're big barns where they eat and they are observed and make sure we don't give antibiotics. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we never give antibiotics or we sell food that's no antibiotics ever. That doesn't mean the pigs never get a shot of antibiotics if they're sick or have a mm -hmm. sore or need it. It just means when they do, we are accountable and responsible for tracking that animal and making sure it doesn't go into the no antibiotic ever pool of yeah. our product. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you mentioned there's different, like from so certified humane, different from one to five plus. I think even on the one, the fact that you're willing to be transparent, the fact that you're like, hey, come to my barn. <laughs> I think that's a really important step. And I think that's a really important thing because to up until this point, consumers are very disconnected from their farmers, very disconnected to where their food comes from. And the reason that we even have these CAFOs where these cows are just in these tiny little crates, these pigs are in these tiny little crates. The reason that we have that is because it's a secret because a lot of consumers are not aware of it. And so I think transparency is a really huge part of turning our food system around. So I appreciate that. Can you talk for a bit about your farmers? Because from what I understand, you don't just have your farm. You also source meat from other local farmers who meet your standards. Is that correct? Absolutely. We are not able to grow our herd fast enough to keep up with the demand for our products, keep up with our needs for right. raw materials. So yeah, we source from other like-minded and these audits make that more feasible. Global Animal Partnership, Certified Humane, the USDA, all these kind of oversight groups or audit groups help us I mean, we had to add 10 people to our team to go do all that work ourselves. So now we're able to use those. We still go check them out ourselves, but we have this baseline understanding. And we know all the tricks to get around those audits. I mean, don't pretend like these audits are some 100% watching you 24-7. There Isn't are it? Still... It's once a year. Is that right? For most of once them? Once a year. That's mm -hmm. right. You generally know when they're coming. Oh, tidy everything up. Make sure this all, that's how some people do it. That's not how we do it. Right. Uh, but I'm smart enough to understand when money's involved, when profits are involved, I keep an eye on my own attitude, my own ethics, because I will, the same as almost anybody, have that one second in my brain, like, oh, maybe let's just sweep that one under the rug. Maybe they won't notice. You can't do that. Or I don't, uh, yes, you can do it. I wouldn't feel good about it. I wouldn't feel like our brand could be trusted. I don't right. feel people like you. You find out I'm doing that. You got to immediately just say, screw that guy. Yeah. He is willing to lie to me. Sure. I, I'm not dealing with people like that. Who needs that kind of people? But money is, money's tough. You, you're fixing to go out of business or your kid just broke their leg and you got to somehow pay for that doctor bill as a farmer. 
it gets real dang hard to walk that line. So mm-hmm. these audit groups help us. They do do surprise audits. We send our people in. Hey, cool. We know where all the little loopholes are. We're going to look in those spots. And that's how I feel really confident you can trust Peterson's. And yeah. So you have farmers or farmers across the country. Yes. And yeah. in Canada, there's a big group in Canada, Du Breton. They do a good job. We've been using their product for years. And that's another one of our suppliers. No, and I love it so much because what Peterson's is doing is giving a national marketplace to these small, rural, local farmers because what you've done is create a brand that people know and trust, and it's everywhere in the U.S. Like, I can travel to Arizona. I can get Peterson's at the grocery store. I can travel anywhere and get Peterson's. But that, in and of itself, is a hard thing to do, to create this direct-to-consumer brand. And so you're giving that to local farmers, which I'm sure they're really thankful for, that opportunity. Yeah. And let's touch on that just real quick to clarify. So a lot of what the truth is the farrowing farms are bigger. They're sometimes maybe not the local farmer next door that you're talking about. But we contract the finishing and the nurseries, and those are local farmers. They may grow crops and then they also have a barn where they raise some pigs it's a great way to supplement to use their land Mm. to add revenue to their business and that is fun because then they're just a piece of that puzzle like where your food comes from they're absolutely a piece of that puzzle yeah I love that so much. So I know that your standards revolve around honesty, integrity, good stewardship. Can you tell us more about how those values play out? We've talked a little bit about it, but for the animals, for your employees, for the community, I know you guys do a lot of philanthropy. So what do those values really mean to you? I have a feeling you're going to ask a question later and I might just answer it now because it paints this picture pretty good. It's about like when I look back on my life, what, what I want to see, what I want to think when I do that. Right. Well, I want to turn around and look, a, see a ball of dust. Like I want to come sliding into the end, <laughs> like on two wheels, high five Jesus and say, man, what a ride. That's what I want. That's what I want. I, that's, I want that so bad. Now, that's kind of a pretty visual way to think of how I want to come into the end. But I'll, when I look back there, I want my kids to have the skill sets to do that. I want the employees, the humans I live and work with and do business with, I want them to have that feeling of pride and legacy that goes along with making the tough decisions to do the right thing, even mm. when nobody's looking. That, yeah. that is the real trick to it. So mm. that comes with, we make some money, let's share that. We, we don't need to go to Cabo. Let's try to have a event where we can raise money, pool people, other people's money and give some money to type 1 diabetes. That's Bacon Bash, Texas. I personally serve on boards in the community to, I'm not, I don't know everything, but I'm going to give my opinion. That's what that is. It takes my time. There is a sacrifice involved there. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and everybody at Peterson's is encouraged to do that. We certainly have, it's kind of cool when you think about all of our employees and the spider web of right. influence they have through their mm. kids, through their schools, through their grandparents, all of those things. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. So I know that you have both organic and non-organic pork. And I've talked to many a farmer who feel all kinds of ways about organic and that label and what it means. So I'd love to get your take. So what's the difference for you and your product between the organic and the non-organic? And also, how do you feel about it? Yeah. Well, we did a live stream Q&A on this Ooh. topic around labeling and mm -hmm. consumer confusion around labels. Like when you hear organic, you immediately picture a certain thing. Right. I assume you immediately picture a certain thing because it, it's how I do. Somebody says that's organic. Well, I picture the sun shining, <laughs> uh, everybody out in the field is smiling and the animals are can talk, you know, it's just this kind of crazy thing you picture when you think about, you hear the word and people that sell organic have done a good job of painting that picture. So that's kind of de facto what you think of. The truth is organic's great. It's good for the animals. It certainly can be, it could be bad. And when you hear the truth about organic is there are not a lot of husbandry factors right. to organic. There's, it needs to be on organic land. It needs to be organic feed. It needs to be medicine or the pharmaceuticals have to fall into certain categories, the, any pesticides, all these things, but there's not a long list of, yeah, but we also expect no crates, da, 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 other things. So that's the fact of it. Most organic farmers, I, probably 99% of them do all those things too. Cause yes. what kind of, why do you go to the trouble of getting your land organic, growing the high dollar expensive organic feed, mm. all the things that come with raising organic meat and not do the other part. I mean, it's kind yeah. of, but it's not a requirement. It's not absolutely true. And mm -hmm. so the difference would be, our animals that aren't organic, they eat, I guess you could call it GMO feed, but they also eat non-GMO feed. They also eat organic feed. They just, sometimes we didn't have that feed or we don't have the resources to, we don't have the customer base ultimately. Look, everybody, if you're listening, you got to vote with your dollars to 100%. drive this industry forward. All the consumers will be what makes this go to the next level. When we as a company can survive and can justify and see an additional margin, an additional demand for these things, we go that way. Right. We don't have a huge customer base built for the organic side of our business. What? That's true. Neil, it's all I buy. All right. I, I am. I, like, I, okay. It, so how many do you, how many people do you know that are like you though, out of your friend group, what's the percentage of people that 
I do have a lot of friends who are a lot like me because I'm such a weirdo, Neil. Like I have these crazy high standards. So I do have friends who are a lot like me, but then I also have the friends who who don't really know, right? Like they're just feeding their kids goldfish and just traditional hot dog. You know, it's like you, you have all kinds, but I do have a lot of friends who care about organic and who do prioritize that. So I do appreciate that. But no, I mean, I will only buy organic Peterson's products. So I, and it cracks me up because I'm like, I need to like get stock in companies like Peterson's because I am solely (laughs) sustaining the organic line of your business. Like I get so much. So that cracks me up though. I mean, yeah, we definitely vote with our dollars and the thing that stinks about organic, I think that's hard for consumers is it is, I personally think it's better for you, but also it's better for the planet and so it's this twofold like it's this two-pronged issue but a lot of people it is more expensive just it's expensive it's more expensive for you it's more expensive for me and so a lot of people can't prioritize that in their grocery budget especially with inflation now and so it is a hard thing And I feel privileged and happy and glad to be able to vote with my dollar by organic. But I I definitely recognize that's a place of privilege and not everyone can do that. So you could think about it. Even if you may not be in the financial position or you're not truly convinced that that's the thing that you want to prioritize your diet above, I don't know, some other things. So you kind of allocate money in your budget, personal budgets, family budgets to something besides your food, which I would encourage you to reevaluate that and and (laughs) think your food, your nutrition, that is the key building block, bottom of the ladder, most required step to, Mm -hmm. to really live out happiness, health, and those things. Just... It affects everything. Totally. So then you got to look for people like Peterson's, our competitors. You know, we do organic. That's a good thing. Well, but we also do another thing that's a little more affordable. So there's your way to get in the game, even mm-hmm. if you're, maybe your budget doesn't allow for the ec- extra money that re- organic requires. But yeah. you can still support us just knowing that we do organic yeah, that's such a good point. Someone who does organic probably has higher standards across the board. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, here's the deal. I say this all the time on here, everywhere. I personally feel like you're going to spend the money somewhere. You're either going to spend the money now on your health or you're going to spend your money later on your disease. Yeah. Like I personally feel that way. But I will say as a family, health and wellness is one of our biggest values. You know, we've got faith, family, health and wellness. It's all up there for us, which is not that's not everybody. That's my deal, right? That's my business, that's my life, that's my deal. <laughs> so that's something I really care about, but I do think that allocating some of the money now towards what we eat, moving our bodies, all these things that really are foundational for health will save us money and pain and disease in the long run. Okay. So last health thing before we wrap this up, I saw on your website and I was really happy to see this, that you're moving away from celery powder and moving more towards pomegranate, rosemary, citrus instead. 
I would love for you to tell us why you made that choice. Yeah, tell us why you made that choice. Our philosophy, our expectation of ourselves is to understand we don't know it all. We're not perfect. We have a lot to learn. We have a lot of challenge in front of us to get better. This is a pretty fun story. When we first started making uncured bacon, you just take nitrite out. Well, it's white. It's gray looking. It People will not buy it. They think it's spoiled because our culture is so trained to look for pink in that bacon meat that if they see the gray or the white, they just immediately think, oh, that must be spoiled. No, it's the exact same thing. It just doesn't have the nitrite. So we couldn't sell. So we we're going to die as a company on the vine, making uncured without a pink a lean portion. So then we went to beet powder. Well, then we had purple bacon, <laughs> you know, and that really didn't work either. That's funny. Then, and this isn't documented anywhere, but we were absolutely one of the first people to start using celery powder to naturally convert naturally occurring nitrate in green leafy vegetables. Celery is a great one. It's got a lot of high naturally occurring nitrate in it into nitrite, which would turn the lean portion pink. You know, newsflash, all of these natural uncured bacons have nitrite in them. It's just put in there through celery or through Swiss chard or through sea salt. And also, nitrite, nitrate is in the air we breathe. It's in meat. It is you could test a pork chop and it's going to have some trace nitrite in there. So the idea that you can totally eliminate it, I think is false or hmm. it's not been our It's experience. naturally occurring, meaning it's just, it, you just kill a pig, eat the pork straight off the pig. It's going to have it. Yeah. It's just naturally right. occurring in, it's the, in the air. We breathe mm. it. It's in trace amounts. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not like of course the government dictates in bacon when you're putting in synthetic nitrite that's built in the lab um, it can't be over some like 2,000 parts per million or something like that mm -hmm. y'all could go to verify that that number is way wrong it's absolutely not right but there's a number there that you have to be within mm -hmm. a range so you get the naturally occurring celery and then we we want to move away from that celery is also an allergen to some people, it has an allergic effect to them. That's, there's a chance it someday gets called into an allergy position within our food supply. So there's one good reason to think about, okay, cool, how else can we do this? There are companies out there working 24-7. They know the money is there, right? So we know consumers are interested in uncured. We have to make the argument with the government that, well, is uncured actually uncured? How is that confusing? A lot of our label mm. is dictate how we say it, how it's written on the label is dictated by the government. And we did a webinar with one of the label expediters for the FSIS. And she just mm. said, well, in this regulation on this line, that's what it says. And that's how I make my decision. So all this is going to evolve. Do companies, does Peterson's do the very best job of telling people this blatant, straight out truth? I, no, we got to get better at that. But 
we're always trying like, okay, cool. Celery powder. It was a good solution. It was better than anything that we knew. Now there's other options that are better yeah. than anything we know. How do we tell this story? Well, this is partly how I get on your <laughs> podcast and, and give people the information. Yeah. And I appreciate that. What that means to me is you're always innovating. You're always making better and you're not stuck. You're willing to make choices that you feel continually push your brand and really the industry forward. So yeah. I appreciate well, now, just that. Just to clarify. Yeah. We're not always making better. Sometimes we make worse and you don't know that right away. Like sure. you're trying a thing. Oh, this sounds like a good deal. Oops. Not nah, actually that was bad. I think in business and in life, everybody should also understand sometimes it's a step back sometimes sure. in, in every try and all the dust you're kicking up, trying hard at things. Sometimes it's not actually the best, but sure. own that. Okay. Yeah. That was a mis mistake. We went the wrong way there. We're recalculating and going, mm -hmm. trying again. Sure. I think the difference is, the companies that are like, this is not good. We're going to stick in this lane, you know, <laughs> like oh, we're yeah. going to keep on keeping on. And so, yeah, of course we all make mistakes. And, but what you're saying is we realize it's a mistake. We change ways. So it's really the, it's not a straight line forward. Progress isn't linear, but you're going in the right direction. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And as a smaller company, which we're going to grow, like we're bound and determined to continue to grow. So eventually we're not going to be a small company. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just kind of inevitable over. If you just stay in business long enough, you're going to start battling some of these bigger company, I don't know, situations when you start sourcing more and more things, mm -hmm. you, it just all gets to be a different game. So I think we're going to be in there. We're preparing ourselves for those conversations and those truths. And I'm probably a little heavy on this imperfection thing because I think brands don't tell that story enough. Right. Like I want oh, everybody yeah. to love Peterson's and tell their friends about us and buy our products. But I also want you to know you will be able to find us doing a thing that's wrong. We're not perfect. We're trying our best. There's What's the carnivore MD guy? He's going to yeah. tell you that Poofa's, he doesn't eat pork. I yeah. don't know for sure if that's right or not. I mean, I'm sure I have to try to educate myself. So you might find out that our bacon is still a choice you have to make that, that is maybe good, maybe not. Right. Sure. Uh, yeah. So anyways, that's probably why I harp on that a lot. Just cause I, yeah. I think brands are, should be called to the carpet a little bit to say, yeah. You're not all perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, just like I hate putting people on pedestals, I think that's a good point to not put brands on pedestals as well. But I do think you guys are doing a great job. So you you jumped the gun and answered the looking back question, which I which it's funny because people are always like, I bet people say this. I've never gotten into like sliding into heaven as a home plate before. So that so I appreciated oh, yeah. that. So what is something in your life you feel like you've been specifically intentional about recently? Reading. Huh. Yeah. Educating myself. That is a thing I'm specifically intentional about. I did a 75 hard, which there's a whole other 
kind of conversation we could go on about that. But I read this book, A Purpose Driven Life. Or, yes. Uh, but it was like a 40-day, 45-day exploration of why I am here. Mm-hmm. Now I'm off to Frankel's account of what is man's meaning, something mm-hmm. like that. Like he, he came to that through being in a concentration camp and seeing how people are broken and how some of them never get broken. Some of them realize this is the thing that makes life valuable, this suffering. So I'm super intentional about that. I have to get really good to pass that to my kids. I think about them a lot. I want them to have tools that I feel like I was given, but the tools have to change. You know, I have to be better or more in tune to the realities of life today. Like, so life a hundred years ago was way different. So those lessons, those tools you needed were different. Anyways, that's what I'm intentional about reading, trying to get better. I love it. And what is something moving forward you'd like to be more intentional about? I think getting over the imposter syndrome is the thing I have to, moving forward, I got to figure out how to do that better. I I don't, I was on a guest on a podcast and I'm, kind of curious you might be feeling this same way it's like neil you ramble too much there's so much good things inside of you that you could share if you'd get them out in a more orderly fashion the host was like dude i can't even publish your episode because you ramble too much you never give anybody yeah which is fair i appreciated that i needed that challenge although i don't think i've got very good at it yet but he's like look give us a before after and why so people can consume that Mm. and then take it and go put it into action. So I think that's part of it. You just have to get over that imposter syndrome, get better at sharing the things that I'm good Mm. at. Look, I've been a leader my whole life. Everything I've ever done, I've been a lead. I work myself right up to the top of whatever it is. Um, And I can help others do that. But that's kind of, I feel like I'm bragging, you know, like, that's weird for a cowboy. It's not a culture thing. It's, it's not in the culture to be allowed to say, hey, I'm pretty damn good at this and I can help you. Man, they're like, shut up, get out of here. We don't need that kind of braggadocious person around. So anyways, there you go. There's your answer. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Neil. We look forward to having you back. Well, yeah, I'll be back fast as you ha- let me. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Neil. I really appreciate your honesty and your transparency. And I think we need a lot more of that in the meat industry specifically. So thanks for being on and we can't wait to have you again soon. And for all of my listeners, if you've never tried Peterson's products, you absolutely have to. In our home, we always have something Peterson's to make for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, as Neil told us. So you can use Use the link in the show notes and that will get you free shipping on everything on their website. Hope you get to check out their sugar-free bacon. That's by far my favorite product. So thanks for listening today, guys, and I will see you next week.